Hello, church. When I was moving this summer, I found a relic of PMC past. I found a sermon that I gave in August of, yeah, 1995. That is the last time I've preached here. But <laughs> some of you are very small <laughs> or not or didn't exist. So if you don't know me, my name is Kathleen Clumping Wedberg. Joel Wedberg and I, Plumping Wedberg, and I have been coming to PMC for a long time, but we are living up in Ventura County. So you usually see us up on Zoom. Hey, Zoom folks. I'm going to say a quick prayer and then we'll get into it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, oh Lord. I love to sing. That's not always a good thing in my life. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Not everybody loves a singer. At an early point in my relationship, that is now 23 years old. So this didn't shake things. But early on, I was, we were hanging out with some friends of Joel's and we were in the back of their car and I was singing along with the radio and it was really loud. And Joel said, you know, maybe not so much. And that's been said to me, other times. I once had someone file a suit against me when I was working at Loyola Marymount University. This was a sexual harassment suit, which I could be happy to talk to you all about later. But one of the pleas of the claimant was that I was torturing him with my singing. <laughs> yes, I had an office next door to him. So singing, singing is not always a big hit with everybody. And even though I'm a big time singer, I don't always want to sing. And today I was thinking, as I was watching the children's message, boy folks on Zoom, I don't know how we would recapture that for you if you missed some of that. That was quite the event with the children and what the children had to say. Melissa, you deserve a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Parents, you deserve a break. <laughs> but that was a great example of showing up and doing what you're going to do, regardless of how excited you are about it, of how people are responding, about how things are gonna work out. So when I was seven or eight, I was a member of a church, of a school choir. It was a huge choir, and we were getting ready for a Christmas program. And we had to practice the songs many, 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 many times. And during the rehearsals, the, you know, the parents were saying, and the teachers were saying, sing big kids, sing, sing, sing. And so we had to practice joy to the world many, many, many times. I felt no joy to the world and I am not a good faker. And so then when the time of the performance came, I had no desire to sing joy to the world. I felt no joy to the world. And thus I did not perform well for others right? Sometimes we just don't have that joy in our hearts, right? And many of us, when we're thinking about the holidays, we understand the getting tired of holiday music thing, right? When was the first time any of us saw a Christmas ad this year? September, July, yes. It starts really, really early. Those of us who teach, it's when you're not even thinking about teaching that they're talking about Christmas. And Christmas is after you're done with that first bout of teaching, right? When I go to stores, 
once they have the holiday music on, I apologize to the employees and say, I'm so sorry that you have to live with all of this all the time, right? It's no fun. It's no fun. And when we think about the holidays, Tim, um, we think about sometimes some of our favorites from the holidays have to do with the naysayers, the ones that didn't fit in, the ones who didn't want anything to do with the holiday, right? Here we have in slide two, three of my favorite examples, all right? We have Ebenezer Scrooge. Now, some of us know that A Christmas Carol is sometimes thought of as a socialist or Marxist reading of the holiday story, right? We have Ebenezer Scrooge going from being a tight fist at the grindstone to becoming a good, as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. Right. And we know that it took three ghosts and a lot of other things to get him there. We also have our friends, Rudolph and anybody now? Hermie, Rudolph and Hermie and a song that Rudolph and Hermie sing together. Anybody know it? Yes. Island of the Misfit Toys. Why am I such a misfit? Hermie didn't fit in. And Rudolph didn't fit in. And so they had to leave Christmas Town, right? It was a big deal for Rudolph and Hermie. And they decided they were going to be independent, but independent together, right? Hermie and Rudolph were misfits. They didn't fit in. Ebenezer Scrooge did not fit in. One of the most bleak parts of the whole story of the Muppet Christmas Carol, may I? just say that that is the best Christmas film ever made, is when poor Ebenezer Scrooge is watching his nephew playing games at his house on Christmas Day. And people are making fun of Ebenezer Scrooge as an example of something unpleasant, right? He didn't fit in. Then, of course, we have our classic, classic, classic Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown is sick of the commercialism of Christmas. Charlie Brown is told by Lucy that Christmas is something that is manufactured by a big Eastern syndicate, right? But what gets Charlie Brown back on track? Linus. Linus is the pivotal moment of that film. It is a film and hopefully you'll be able to watch it. Linus, in his still small voice, tells us on CBS television, usually on a Wednesday or Thursday, would it be this week or maybe next week, right? Linus tells us that the Christmas story that we will be able to hear very soon, I don't wanna take week four or week five of Advent here, but it's Linus's voice. And at the end, after Linus tells the story of the nativity, Linus says, that's what it's all about, Charlie Brown. That, that's what we're here for. I argue that that's pretty much where that story should end. I think the whole story of the tree and the magic with the tree, I think that's done by a big Eastern syndicate, right? <laughs> we don't need that magic tree. Does anybody remember the story of our tree? 
Charlie Brown is told to go out and find a tree. No trees are available. And Charlie Brown finds what I think it is Sally calls a very poor tree. That is a very poor tree, Charlie Brown. It is a meager, sad looking tree. He's holding it in this image. The tree that Charlie Brown finds becomes beautiful in the end. And I kind of wish they didn't change that tree. I didn't want to show you a picture of that tree because it becomes glamorous and it becomes fashionable and it becomes popular. But what I want to tell you today is that God loved that poor tree. God loved Hermie. God loves Rudolph. God loves Mr. Scrooge. God loves Charlie Brown. God loves little people who don't say things that you really want to write on the whiteboard. <laughs> and then they say them again. And that's why I couldn't teach middle school anymore because I got a twitch in my eye, right? God loves us when we're not very lovable. And God loves us when we just don't want to deal with it anymore. God loves us when we're sick of it and we're over it. And everybody around us is singing these annoying songs and playing that music and decorating things. God loves us. And when God brings God, Christ in God, down onto this earth, God brings light, God brings shalom, God brings many good things. And my friends, God is singing over us. It's amazing. How do you even picture that? I was looking for images, but what is the idea of God singing over us? And when God is singing over us, God is singing over every single one of us, all of us. Today, we have a weird combination of passages. Thank you, Carol, for reading all of that weird combination of passages, right? And part of the reason why, thank you, Bob, for finding the John the Baptist verse. Part of the reason that we are talking, why in the world are we talking about John the Baptist today? Talk about the biggest downer for the Christmas spirit. We've got John the Baptist. Next slide. So all these people, and I would love to talk to you about this art later. I found it online. And the, this piece represents John the Baptist talking to the crowds. And some people from that crowd who John did not necessarily feel were worthy of being baptized showed up. And John does not brook a lot of nonsense, right? John is not going to just hang with it and say, okay, I'll just do the right thing. John the Baptist is not going to be wearing a Christmas sweater, right? John, no. So when the crowd shows up, the crowd of people who look good, people who are going to have the perfect Christmas picture, the people whose Instagram profile that you maybe have to hide every once in a while, because it's too good. 
right? Those people showed up to be baptized by John, and John called them children of snakes. And he said it wasn't going to be enough for them to say there was the sons of Abraham. That wasn't going to be the thing that got them into the kingdom. He told those people that they needed to produce fruit that showed they had changed their hearts. For John and for Christ, it's not the people who are always looking spiffy. For the people who always have their act together. For the people who are always able to be right on key. For John and for Jesus, it is about everybody. And those of you who think you're going to get into the kingdom by saying that you're the sons of Abraham to say, oh, well, look, look at my credentials. Look at my bona fides. I'm a legacy, John. You should let me in, right? John says, this is not the way you get into the kingdom. The way you get into the kingdom, Carol read us many ways that you get into the kingdom. But for John, he wraps it up by saying that you produce fruit that shows that your heart has changed. Again, in Zephaniah, yes, Zephaniah, we are told that the Lord our God is rejoicing over us, all of us, with singing. It's our God who creates calm in us. It's our God who sees us with all of our wrinkles, with all of our comments that might not always be appropriate. God sees us. And what God wants us to do at this time when we are sick of so many things, I personally am sick of grading. I'm sick of school. I'm sick of emails. I'm sick of wearing masks. I'm sick of people who don't wear masks. I am so sick of violence. Yesterday, I learned from my sister that my wonderful niece, who is a principal of a high school in Bellingham, Washington, was a principal of a school where they were able to avert a bomb event this week. This is what my dear, sweet little niece dealt with this week. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of what happened in Michigan. I am sick of death and destruction. I'm sick of sadness. I'm sick of environmental degradation. Many of us feel powerless over many things in the world. We feel powerless to help the members of our church family who are facing illness, for people who've lost more than they've gained this year. But God is rejoicing over us. I want us to sit for a couple of minutes, but also as we're sitting, I want you to let these three images pour over you a little bit and think about who God is with in this time, who God is singing over. So for this first image, be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say be glad. 
Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. So when you see this image, I know it's going to be weird to start talking now, but if any of you are willing, what do you see? Who is God near in this image? Who do you think of? Who do you see? And if you're on Zoom, feel free to type into chat who you see. But can you see it? Who are you seeing? The unhoused. Thank you, Carol. Dorothy Day leading the unhoused into a home. And now if you can think of those among us in the community, in the world, of course, we think today, this image didn't invoke this two days ago, but we think of our sisters and brothers in Kentucky. We think of people in a bus or in a, in a truck accident, right? Tim, let's do the second image. This is a similar image. This is also by Kelly Lattimore, who makes amazing icons. Who are we seeing in this image? Who are we reminded of? Who is God with here? Migrants, migrants. God is with those who many of us don't know how to be with. And as a community, we have ways that we're reaching out and the ways that we're trying and we need to continue. We need to continue working on that. And we need to continue reaching out because when I don't feel like it, when I don't feel the joy, when I don't feel accepted, God is accepting me. God is singing over me and God is singing over these migrants. Okay, the last one. This is an image by a woman named Elzbieta. And this is, if anybody's familiar with Polish Catholicism, which I experienced, this is a picture of the Madonna and child that survived a fire in a church in Czestochowa. And Elżbieta repurposed this image and was able to make copies of it and post it on an Easter Sunday in the town of Płock and was later put in prison for disturbing people's understanding of religion. And she has been put in prison again more than once. And this past summer, she, this image really blew up around Poland and people were carrying it in marches. So for me, this image is a reminder that God is with and is singing over our brothers and sisters, our non-binary brothers and sisters, our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters who are trying to make a home for their brothers and sisters in Fresno, right? God is with us. God is singing over us. Joy to the world.